It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today for peace of mind. Visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Ah, uh, yes, a throwback Thursday. No Andy Isco, no Wayne Krivsky tonight, but Brad Powers is in studio. Rick Yacchino going to join us. And about 13 minutes from now, producer Mark Hoke at the helm, taking care of business. PSBR Law Studios, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The best in personal injury law here in the Vegas Valley. Now year number four, Southern Cal for a long time. Brian Panis, senior partner, good friend. Panis, Shea Boyle, Ravaputi, strength by your side. The relentless pursuit of justice, that is PSBR Law. You can go check it out, PSBRlaw.com. Over $4.5 billion the last five years for their clients in verdicts and settlements. Doesn't get much better than that. You got the 702 down for Vegas area code 830 Jot it down. You may need it in the future. Ken Thompson at the helm, 101.5 FMK. Don't streaming live on that Odyssey app. If you haven't downloaded that sucker, you got to do it. Take care of business. Brad Powers is with me at Brad Powers 7. You follow him on Twitter, producer Mark Hoke at Mark Hoke Show. And follow the show at SportsX Radio, at Ken Thompson 87 Archives tweeted and uh, pinned right there at both of those handles. But the best way to get the show, if you miss any part of the show, you can just go to the Odyssey Rewind uh, feature. And that is just phenomenal. As soon as the show's over, they've got that up and running. And it is outstanding. You can also uh, get it with the Mark Hoke Show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., the best in professional wrestling. My good pal, Tracy Murray, joining Mark Hoke just a little bit ago. And Brad Powers, a big wrestling fan. And, Brad, we, uh, we come in here, we're ready to talk college football, and we'll get to, you know, Cincinnati Bearcats stuff with Ricky Chino. He covers that Cincinnati area. We'll talk some Bengals. We'll talk some Cincinnati Reds, get to all of that. But you know the hoaxer is going to have, you know, wrestling, you know, whenever he can. And lo and behold, he's picking up all types of feeds over there and uh, taking in everything. So you were right there in your element because as much as you love college football and you are somebody that I say there's nobody better, you love your professional wrestling. Yeah, I, I mean, I do. Obviously, a fan. Uh, I don't know how you can be when you're of a certain age because you grow up uh, in the 80s and Hulkamania is catered towards you as a kid. And then you get a little older and there's a thing called the Attitude Era that uh, you know kind of coincides with yourself being a teenager, early 20s. So uh, anybody really my age is a big-time wrestling fan because it was so huge. In fact, I've told you this, KT. There's about five six year period. I didn't even bother with Monday Night Football. I watched wrestling instead. I mean, yeah, that that definitely blew my mind right there, no doubt. But we're going to get into a lot of college football talk in hour number two. But we'll kind of go around different things when Yuchino joins us at eight twenty. That should be entertainment 
at its finest. Of course, uh, Ricky Chino, he's a big wrestling guy as well, bringing producer Mark Hoke. And Mark, how did you meet Ricky Chino? Well, when I was out at WrestleMania, we were stationed next to each other for the big media event on uh, Friday that we did, I think that was, yeah, Thursday or Friday morning. Uh, but, yeah, Rick and Rick was there, and uh, Chris Van Vliet was there, too. We were kind of all hanging out for the day and got to see Rick in action, and he's just he's just a fireball, man. That guy is like the Energizer bunny, and he's funny and uh, – but does a great job with all the sports reporting where he does for WLW in Cincinnati and on uh, Cage Side Seats, uh, Believe in Pro Wrestling or the Believe Network, and just he's all over the place, man. He's awesome. All right. Uh, we did have one preseason game NFL-wise tonight, and it surprised me because I didn't know the rule that I guess they can end in ties. 18-18, Browns and Eagles. Browns led at 18-10. Eagles get a touchdown, two-point conversion. And then Cade York misses a field goal. Not a chip shot, but a chip shot for a pro like York, who's a starting kicker for Cleveland. Somehow he got another opportunity. He had missed it wide right, barely. And then he goes the other way and misses it wide left. So uh, that's your starting kicker there, Browns fans. And the game ends 18-18. Now for Brad Powers, who dabbles in the uh, advantage. You know, I mean, he he loves his college football, but if he finds an advantage and feels he's got an edge, he's going to take it. So, BP, the game ended on the number of 36. What was your total? 35 and a half. And the total, as far as closing, at the Westgate Superbook at Circa, 36 and a half. So it does pay to get the best of the lines. BP, I mean, even preseason football just shows that half point, that point is huge. It certainly is. That's the key. I know a lot of people ask me, what's the secret? A lot of times, just those half points. I mean, they come into play just one out of 20 times, one out of 20 games. That's the difference between flipping coins, going 50% and 55%, just that one time out of 20. So There you go. That is great stuff, great information. You want to be on that stuff. And Brad Powers, of course, during college football season, he is ready and waiting for lines when they come out and jumps all over things. You already have your homework done. You're ready to go. You have your own numbers, your own power rankings which, again, are second to none, and you're very very rarely do you budge off power rankings. Uh, you trust in your ability, and you don't follow anybody else. The same thing in the NFL draft. You do your own stuff. You're not following what McShay or Kuyper says. You do Brad Powers' work. I do. I like to, It's the one sport I originate. It's the sport I follow you around. I'd like to think that you know, with me not, you know, diving into, you know, other sports, whether it's WNBA, you were talking, you were like breaking down the WNBA before we came down. I'm like, wow, I don't even know how you can know all that. But, uh, I mean, whether it's FBS or FCS, I work on it year round. And I would like to think that I, at this point in my career, I'd like to think that I know how to power rate teams. There you go. All right. Well, Fox has their Thursday night baseball game and they had a choice of two. You were going to get a choice of one of two games on Fox, like major Fox, Fox five here in Vegas. Detroit and Cleveland, or the Mets and Cardinals. My goodness. They uh, prognosticated that some of these teams would be relevant. None of the four are relevant, although in the AL Central, with Minnesota leading, Cleveland is second place. But that game was rained out, Detroit at Cleveland. So you got the Mets and Cardinals, and the Mets double up on the Birds 4-2. to two, But both those teams far from any hope of making the postseason. Right now, 3-1 to one, Arizona behind Zach Gallen leading the Padres. And the Padres have been playing pretty good ball. They just took two in a row from the Orioles. And 3-1, that's at Petco. Gallen in control right now. Top seven against Rich Hill, the 43-year-old lefty. 
on the hill for the Friars at Petco. Corbin Burns, Lance Lynn, top five, no score. Brewers and Dodgers, that total of eight. Right now you have the under. You're looking fat there. Lynn went off a minus 163. Look, Milwaukee's having trouble scoring one way or the other. Only one game in the American League because of the rain out Detroit-Cleveland. That was Seattle with Kirby, who pitches much better at home on the hill against Kansas City. And the Mariners do get the W there. They were minus a 223. So if you laid the run and a half, you still get it done. Six to four, Seattle over the Royals. That total was nine, and that game gets over. Again, hitting the number of 10. Uh, did have the one interleague game with Boston and Washington. That was Chris Sale and Patrick Corbin. 10 to seven, Washington gets the win. Sale went off a minus 180. Total of 10. Washington got there by themselves. So they hit 17. So that game also over the total. Uh, we have one CFL game. 12.55 to go fourth quarter. Nobody has scored in the third quarter. At the half, it was 21-9 Edmonton. The Elks, are you kidding me? And they're right now leading Hamilton. Uh, they are five-and-a-half-point dogs, but they're up by 12. Keep an eye on that one, 12.55 to go fourth quarter. And they've just started the third quarter right there at Michelob Ultra Light Arena. What did I say last night? Look, it's still a lot of basketball to go. But I said if Las Vegas, the Aces defending champions, are going to show – uh, some resilience against this New York Liberty team. Remember, the Aces beat them in the first meeting, but then got crushed in New York and crushed the other night on Tuesday right here in Vegas. Second half, got outscored badly. They were up two. They ended up losing by 19, so got outscored by 21 in the second half. So I said, look, Becky Hammond will have them ready. Lay the six and a half. It actually closed at seven at the Superbook. Right now, third quarter underway, 53 to 40. Aces up by 13, 8 10 to go in that third quarter. So we'll keep an eye on that game. Get you some of the box score a little bit later. But we will take our uh, first break here uh, a little bit early, and then we'll come back. We'll have Rick Uccino with us, and we're going to talk some Cincinnati Bearcats. I'm interested because Luke Fickle is uh, now the head coach at Wisconsin, and, of course, Cincinnati, one of four teams going into a new Power 5 conference. Not a, It's not a new conference, but it's new for them. That is the Big 12. So we'll get into the Cincinnati Reds, probably start with that since the Reds, you know, playing pretty good ball and, uh, were inactive at the trade deadline, so did not try to bolster that team, and it's really come back to haunt them. They're still in the race, but Milwaukee in first place, and then the Reds and Cubs battling right now to try and get at the Brewers, because I doubt either of those three will be able to be a wild card team, but you never know. Philly right now and uh, San Francisco, the front runners as far as two of those three wild card spots, so we'll see what Rick has to say there. We'll uh, blend in some wrestling. I'll let Mark Hoke, of course, chime in there and take over because it'll be good because Brad knows his wrestling. KT's old school. I mean, I'm still, you know, Bruno Sammartino, Tony Parisi. Back in the day, uh, you know, the old school guys, the uh, George the Animal Steel, Uh, Andre the Giant. I was a big Andre the Giant fan. And I did watch the Hulkster and uh, some of the other guys. So we'll let the Hulkster uh, introduce us to Ricky Chino. That'll be a lot of fun. Keep it here, 101.5 FMK Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app. Got a great show in store for you. Like college football, NFL, pro wrestling, Major League Baseball. Going to talk all about it throughout the night. We'll uh, take it right up to about 9.57 in hour number two. Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, Mark Hoke, Ricky Chino is going to join us on the PSBR Law Hotline. We're live from Vegas. We'll be right back. Yeah, if you don't recognize that fight song, what's wrong with you? Ricky Chino's on. That means we're going to play a little Cincinnati Bearcats to welcome in Mr. Uccino. Hey, Rick, I, I don't know you personally, but 
All I know is uh, you're friends with the hoaxer, so I had to question, you know, my judgment from letting you on SportsX Radio when I was on. I was just like, God, man, I mean, unless this guy's sympathetic, I just don't get it. But, you know, then I realized as I was looking at your Twitter page and you're a big wrestling guy, so I said, all right, there's the caveat right there that let me knew uh, let me know as, as far as you and Hoekster were that uh, correlation. And uh, it's great to have you on the show because Andy Isco is my normally my throwback Thursday guest. And as Jimmy Vaccaro said, he goes, Isco, are you kidding me? He goes, the guy could do two hours on valet parking. So literally introduce the guy and the guy's, you know, you're lucky to get two or three words in edgewise. So uh, when we listen to you a couple times, you know, we're like, wow, Uchino could give Isco a run for his money. As far as, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Great stuff, man. But it's great to have you. Brad Powers is with me as well. Brad's the best in college football, I think, in the world. Uh, he's an Ohio kid himself. In between Bowling Green and Toledo is where he grew up. And, of course, he goes back and forth between Ohio and here in Vegas. So he'll be in studio with us. And, of course, yours truly, Mr. Mark Hoke, the hoaxer, is with us as well. But, Rick, great to have you on SportsX Radio on a Throwback Thursday. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Uh, man, it's, it's, it's exciting, like, it's, uh, it feels like it's fall weather out all of a sudden. I'm seeing pumpkin spice out in the, the grocery stores, and, and football's getting ready to start. Like, let's go. It's this time of the year. There you go. Now, we're going to get creamed, I think, with a pretty good storm over the weekend with this hurricane, the remnants of this hurricane that's hitting Mexico mm-hmm. right now. But, yeah, uh, Phoenix, Vegas, Southern Cal going to get hit pretty hard on Saturday, Sunday, and into Monday. So we'll be battening down the hatches here. But you're right, football right around the corner. And here's the great thing with Brad Powers as far as college football. I'm like, you know, about two years ago, I'd be like, this time of year, Brad, you got your notes? Uh, yeah. Well, where are they? All on your phone? Uh, no, they're in my head, KT. I mean, that's how – this guy's unbelievable. You could literally right now – I mean, he probably has the rotation numbers down. But week zero through week one, not a problem. He probably has every spread – Everything, you know, right there at the ready, right? And I'm telling you, there's no paperwork. He's not using his phone. This guy is as dialed in on college football as I've seen. And I'm looking forward to uh, talking some Bearcats in a little bit because, of course, they transition to the Big 12. And their coach, who did a hell of a job, Luke Fickle, transitions to Wisconsin and has a pretty good roster there, although uh, short a couple tight ends to open the year. Uh, but other than that, they look like they have a pretty good roster and a good chance to win the western half of that Big 10. But uh, let's start with the Cincinnati Reds, because it is baseball season, and the Hoekster having a great year, of course, with his Baltimore Orioles. Now, they dropped the last two to San Diego, but this Dela Cruz kid, when he came up, and I got to watch this kid play a couple of times, I said, this kid is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, this kid is a phenom, and uh, Wayne Krivsky, who was a general manager for the Reds, uh, 2004, I think it was, Wayne comes in the studio normally on Thursday nights, and he told me, KT, this kid's going to be up. He'll be up in a few weeks. Lo and behold, the kid came up, and I was like, wow, 6'5", shortstop, and this kid can flat-out play the game. What has it been like for the city of Cincinnati as the Reds made that climb, got into, you know, to where you know it's a two-team race and now a three-team race with the Cubbies involved, but with the Brewers, to where they actually have a chance to make the postseason probably a year ahead of schedule? Yeah, it's been a complete uh, revitalization of this town's love for baseball, and I don't feel like, and I don't, I don't want you to misconstrue that and think that I'm saying that all of a sudden we were just like we we hate baseball, but like this town was really disenfranchised with the ownership group because because if you remember the last time the Reds were consistently good, they they had a window there between 2010 
and 2015, where I think they went to the playoffs like four years. They never made it out of the first round. They had, oh, God, like just thinking back to Buster Posey hitting a grand slam off of Matt Latos after they had a, a, a 2-0 lead on the Giants in the uh, – wild card round we're sitting here thinking like finally it's going to happen for the first time since 95 then they lose three straight at great american ballpark for the first time all season all season was the first time they did that so that that people still haven't gotten over 2012 then the, the group got old by 2015 then they were like all right well we're going to blow it up we're going to start over we're going to bring in some young guys but we're going to do it after we host the all-star break because it's very important we have good players while the team is hosting the all-star game so we could actually get some guys that, you know, this town loves and have them in the All-Star. So they they end up selling off all their good players, the Jay Bruce's the world, the Todd Frazier's, these fan favorites, which is always a, a tough concept when you, when you start doing it. But they started doing it toward the, like, end of their contracts, maybe a couple of years after you should really kind of do it. Remember the Aroldis Chapman trade uh, when – I'm trying to remember who it was that they sent him to. I want to say it was the – Oh, Yankees or the Cubs. I can't remember which team he went to. Uh, that trade was so long ago now. But they had a trade on the table. Then he had that incident where it's like he shot a gun in his garage and it just really kind of tanked the value of, of that entire trade. That was like the one big bargaining chip that they had. Uh, and they, they, long story short, they completely missed like on every single trade. Like I can't think of one player off the top of my head that actually – came to the big leagues and was an impact-type player from trading Jay Bruce or Todd Frazier or Johnny Cueto or uh, Aroldis Chapman. And for several years, this team has been bad, like really, really bad. They lost 100 games last year. They finally like decided to go out and spend some money in 2019, and all of a sudden 2020 rolls around. We got Nick Castellanos out in the outfield. They went out and they bought Mike Moustakis after he just had a career year. They got the pitching. They got the hitting. This town is excited. And then, of course, you know the world ends. Uh, they make the playoffs in 2020, and they don't, they don't go anywhere there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, ownership is like, okay, well, we didn't sell any tickets all year, so all this money that we just spent, uh, we don't have it. So now it's time to start selling off players, and now it's time to rebuild again. And people were not having it. Like this town, there. Th- when I tell you that the longest – that I'm trying to think how to word this. Uh, sell the team, Bob, uh, was trending, I think, for a solid 18 months. Uh, in this town no matter what happened they were not happy with what the Reds were doing but suddenly and all of a sudden like at some point the moves that they were making under new GM Nick Crawl, because right before they started selling off everybody uh, Dick Williams suddenly resigned he was the GM at the time so that should have been like the first uh-oh, like flare up in the air that something was, was coming down here. So, But at some point, Nick Crawl went from making decisions that were simply about cutting payroll and started making decisions that were about building up this team for the future. And all of a sudden, these young kids who have all come up this year, and not, that, not just the ones that he's acquired in, in these trades, like the ones that he got, uh, like the Tyler Malley trade uh, where they sent him to Minnesota and they got uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand and they got Spencer Steer and they got this pitcher. They flipped the pitcher over to Cleveland and they get Will Benson back. Like, I mean, he just hit on every single one of those guys, but also he's really hit on all of the uh, major draft picks that he's had. 2021, he gets two guys in the first round and Andrew Abbott and Matt McClain and they 
are, are both in the contention right now uh, for rookie of the year. And then you get guys like Ellie De La Cruz that you mentioned, who has been in the organization for a while. They get him when he's in high school out of the Dominican Republic. And now he's turned in like this freak athlete. You don't see athletes like him in um, major league baseball very often. You typically see this guy, he should be catching passes from Joe Burrow, not, you know, catching line drives uh, at shortstop. So, uh, these young guys have come up, and they have completely revitalized the city. They have completely uh, re- reinvigorated this town when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds. Like, okay, wait a minute now. Maybe maybe this ownership group did have a plan. Maybe Nick Kroll did have a plan. Maybe it is coming to fruition a year early. But, um, yeah, my goodness, man. They, they took over the summer. Like, when – when the season started, we were like, all right, just, just get us to training camp, right? Like, just, just be interesting until training camp. That's all we ask. Uh, and they have done that and more, and they've really kind of taken over the town. Now, they've faltered lately, but they're still in the mix. Uh, hopefully, they can start to get hot here. They're going to get some of their starting pitchers back uh, in the next few days. I believe Hunter Green is going to start on Sunday against the Blue Jays. So, um, it, it is a, a heavy rookie team, and young guys struggle toward the end of the year, so we'll see if they can get back in the postseason. But, uh, no, this town is, this town is um, experiencing something that we were not used to. Two years ago, the Bengals, the Reds, and FC Cincinnati, like seriously, they were all about as worse as you could possibly be in all three of those sports. And now, bona fide Super Bowl contender, best point total in MLS and here the Reds are have a chance to make the postseason it's it's been insane yeah no doubt and of course uh you definitely give Isco a run for his money there's no question as far as that <laughs> that was outstanding was back Thursday right yeah that was yeah through the entire history yeah. exactly that was outstanding hey I will say I like Andrew Abbott uh fantastic uh, this kid's got a lot of potential you're right and you talk about uh, you know, the, the whole team and a couple guys up for rookie of the year and McLean, the year that he's having Matt McLean outstanding, uh, steer, uh, Stevenson, Friedel. I mean, it's, it's a fun team. Yeah. Were you surprised that they were silent, uh, at the trade deadline? No, I, I wasn't, but I was disappointed. Um, and like, there's nothing like, I'm all about, you know, feeling and momentum and, you know, karma. And it just feels like when they had a chance to go out and say, forget 2024, we have a chance. We're in first place right now. We're in first place right now. It's 2023. Let's go out and let's try to make the best deal that we can to keep this team in the race. And not only just stay competitive, which is where they are now, but start to pull away. They have been really bad over the last two weeks, and somehow they're only two and a half games back because neither the Cubs uh, nor the Brewers have been able to pull away. The Brewers haven't been able to pull away. The Reds almost single-handedly let the Cubs back in uh, and, and got them going when they had a chance to, to, to put them away, and they didn't do that. The Cubs, who were a team that were active at the deadline. And I, I, it almost feels like when the Reds did not have the – I'm trying to think of what I say. When the Reds decided that it almost wasn't worth it to go for it this season to try to make something at the deadline, it almost feels like the team responded to that. Uh, and they, they immediately go out and they get hammered like 11 nothing on the night of the trade deadline, and then they lose like five straight after that. Um, it kind of feels like the team responded to that. Now, I could be talking out of my butt, but I'm I'm just going off of what I saw. They looked 
tired. They looked lifeless. They didn't have that energy. They didn't have that spark. Um, and look, maybe ultimately Nick Crawl made the right move because, you know, you hear him talk about it. And it's like, okay, I could trade this prospect for this guy right now, or I could wait until the offseason and trade that same guy and get somebody better that we're going to have for several years. So, like, I get playing the long game. I just feel like if they could have just made some kind of, of, of a move, even if it's a mid-tier move, because they still have a stacked farm system. If they just could have gone out and gotten somebody and decided, hey, this team, this 2023 team is worth it to pull the trigger on and give us a better chance of winning this season, I think it would have provided a little bit more energy and a little bit more spark. But uh, I'm not surprised that they didn't do anything because the plan has always been about 2024, 2025, and beyond, and they – that have not deviated from that. There you go. And Wayne Krivsky said he would have gone out and grabbed Lorenzen if he was still there in Cincinnati. He thought that well, the price wasn't too much, and he thought they'd be able to uh, maybe give up a, a couple guys in the minors that would be good prospects but not really sell the farm and give them another arm and a good opportunity to go for it at least to get the Central uh, this season and overtake, like you said, Milwaukee and the Chicago Cubs. Rick Uccino, our guest, Brad Powers in studio, producer Mark Hoke as well. His Orioles playing great ball, and uh, we'll look forward to them back in action tomorrow night as they play the Oakland A's. And what a story, though, uh, this Baltimore Oriole team. And we're going to be uh, getting into baseball, but we want to turn our attention to football because the Cincinnati Bearcats are in into a new conference. And I got Brad Powers here, one of the best college football guys, I think the best in the in the country. And so I want to kind of go over that, the transition to the Big 12 for the Bearcats. And Luke Fickle taking off for Wisconsin, and he took a couple of pretty good players with him. I, I know a couple centers and uh, some, some other players as well. Uh, your take on the Bearcats, Rick, and I'm going to let Brad and, and Mark jump in as far as uh, talking a little college football here, and then we'll get into the Bengals next segment. But uh, talk to me a little bit about how that's gone over there and what's the uh, feeling there campus-wise, Bearcat fans, as they go into the Big 12, into a Power 5 conference? So, boy, it's kind of – how I feel about the Bearcats this year is very reminiscent to how I felt about them when they first got into the Big East. I think it was back in 2006. It's like, finally, they're in a real conference. Um, And considering everything that has happened to the Pac-12, I mean – when Texas and Oklahoma said that they were getting out of the you know out of the Big Twelve, you were thinking, oh well, that that conference is dead. They're not going anywhere. They're on life support, and then they very quickly circled the wagons. They took like the three best teams out of the American and and slugged them in there and said, okay, we're going to fill this out. And hey, Cincinnati, you're in. We didn't want you three years ago, but hey, you're more attractive now, so let's plug you in there and let's go. Um, and it really kind of felt like it was going to be deja vu all over again because it wasn't long before the Bearcats finally were able to get good in the Big East, that that conference dissolved, and then they were in the Thanksgiving leftover conference that was the American afterwards. Um, and they they kind of struggled with that. Like, it's not their fault, right? They joined a great conference, uh, especially in basketball, one of the best conferences uh, that was uh, assembled at the time, and it just absolutely uh, dissolved because you had a battle there between the football schools and the non-football schools. But now they have found themselves in what seems like a sustainable major conference and one that's actually in the club. So this, none of this, you know, non-power five garbage where you have to go undefeated and you have to uh, have every team lose like two games in front of you. It was a miracle when they got into the college football 
playoff, right? It was absolute miracle that that happened. Um, and now they don't have to worry about that anymore. They don't have to worry about if they finish second in the American, well, they're going to play in the uh, Beefo Brady's Bowl, or they could now finish sixth in the Big 12, and they are playing in one of the top bowl games in the country. So there's, there's so much good just getting into this conference that's where fans have this excitement level and they feel like the future is bright. But this year is going to be tough. Not only are you going into a new conference, uh, you have a new coach. Um, I was a little bitter when Luke Fickle left after years of saying he wasn't going anywhere and he wanted to build something. But, hey, all college coaches lie, right? And he stayed here twice as long uh, as any of his predecessors who actually had success in the position. So I, I will always be grateful for what Luke Fickle did in turning around this program uh, after the uh, Tommy Tuberville debacle. But, um, yeah, so they got a new coach now. They have lost – most of their offensive web, like they lost all their receivers, like all their receivers. Trey Tucker's in the NFL, Tyler Scott's in the NFL, uh, Josh Wiley, one of their two NFL caliber tight ends, uh, he's in the NFL now. So they have had to go out and completely revamp the offense. And really, what this team is, the, its strength is defense and running game. And that is not going to mix very well uh, in the Big 12. So this first season, and maybe the first few seasons under Scott Satterfield, they're going to be rough. But, uh, hey, the future is bright there in the Big 12. Uh, recruiting, money, all that is, is going to be better. Uh, so it, it's still an exciting time for the UC Bearcats uh, football and basketball program for them. Brad Powers, your take on Cincinnati and the transition and uh, maybe uh, a little bit uh, we'll get in here before the end of the segment there with Ricky Chino. But, Brad, your take on Cincinnati. Well, just a couple questions that I have. Uh, number one, because it's the most important position uh, on any football team, quarterback position. They bring in the transfer, uh, Emory Jones, uh, kind of a journeyman, been at uh, obviously Florida and Arizona State. Uh, interesting to see that battle because Ben Bryant transfers out after transferring, yep. you know, to Cincinnati. Uh, Prater, the, you know, a kid that was highly regarded coming out of high school, just never fully developed. Uh, there's been, you know, you know, hints that uh, these. Obviously not going to be the quarterback of the future. Position change. I just want what's the temperature been like the first couple of weeks of fall practice for quarterback position? And also, I would like to know, what's the overall thought thoughts on the Satterfield hire? Because uh, being a national guy, I'm kind of lukewarm on that hire. Yeah, so let's let's start with the quarterback position. It 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 looks like it's going to be emory jones uh, that that's going to be the guy it's going to be his team and hey if he can go out there and replicate what he did his last year at florida i think uc has a good chance of making a little bit of noise uh the one thing that they have going for them is they're not really playing outside of oklahoma which they get at nipper stadium they're not really playing any of the top teams in the big 12 and conference play this year so they're playing all of the the, the bottom end teams in the in the conference, so they have a, a lighter schedule than maybe they'll have next year or years ahead. So um, if they can get that kind of production out of Emory Jones, where he's running more, uh, he was really mobile at at Florida. I think he, he almost had close to a thousand yards, or at least you know somewhere in the seven hundred eight hundred range. And then I think he threw for twenty five hundred on top of that. This is going to be a run heavy offense. Uh, I, again, I don't know how that's going to work in the Big 12, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe they can get it to, to go. But they, if they can go out there and get Emory Jones to perform like he did at Florida and like Des Ritter did his final season before he was drafted by the uh, Atlanta Falcons, uh, 
I think they got a chance to be pretty decent on offense. But there's just so or there's just so many question marks because they've had to bring in all these outside wide receivers and are these guys going to be able to mesh? Are they going to be able to get their timing down? How ugly is it going to be early? And how well is the defense uh, going to play? They still have a lot of great defensive players, um, you know, led by the godfather, Dante Corleone, on the, on the interior line. So they got a lot of really good defensive players. So hopefully that they'll be able to keep them in some games. But, um, man, it's just kind of uh, they've really had to piece this together. Scott Satterfield, to his credit, has been able to bring in some, some higher-end recruits. And, look, like, the Satterfield hire was questionable. Like, it was mixed results, kind of how you, you, you feel about it, right? The question comes down to, was, Scott Sat- was Louisville not successful in his tenure because Scott Satterfield was not able to coach that program up, was not able to recruit well? Was it him, or was it all the turmoil that was going on inside the athletic department? That's, that's the big question uh, from everything that I have heard, read, been told by a little birdie, uh, he, those, those two, the athletic department and Scott Satterfield did not mesh well at Louisville and it showed on the field. And, uh, he was, he was very happy when the, uh, UC opportunity came around and they were going to be going to the big 12 and he's like, all right, cool. I'm still in a power four. Let's go power five at the time, but let's go. And yeah, the jury's going to be out on that. Uh, but look, the reaction was the same for Luke Fickle. Honestly, it was. When they hired Luke Fickle, we're sitting here going, are you kidding me? This dude won five games as the head coach of Ohio State. Not me. I understand the situation he was in, but that was the message for the fans. Like, this, this guy was terrible when he was a head coach. Fast, go back in time to when Tommy Tuberville was hired. Everybody's like, oh, my God, we're going to go to the national championship. And we saw how both of those ended up working out. So you never know, honestly. Uh, but there, there, there were mixed feelings on Scott Satterfield. Rick, can we keep you one more segment because we got to we're up against Absolutely. a break here. But if we can do that and get into the Bengals a little bit and the update, if you could update us on uh, the Joe Burrow situation and also mm-hmm. what you think uh, this Bengals teams is going to uh, what they're going to do in the fifth year under Zach Taylor, and of course, I think it's going to be uh, one of the best divisions in football. There's no question that AFC North. We'll talk about that with Ricky Chino, Brad Powers with me. Lots of college football. Hour number two, producer Mark Hoke as well. Live from Vegas, 101.5 FMK Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app. We're live from Vegas, PSBR Law Studios. I'm Ken Thompson. You're listening to SportsX Radio. We'll be right back. Throwback Thursday, KT rocking and rolling with Mark Hoke spinning the hits here on a Thursday night. Brad Powers in studio, Rick Uchino on the PSBR Law Hotline talking Cincinnati sports. That's where Rick is at. And uh, hit up on the Bearcats. They're transitioning into the Big 12. Cincinnati Bengals. Boy, hard not to like this team because I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I mean, loved what he did at LSU and uh, really enjoy watching this Bengals team and made it to the Super Bowl. Oh, so close to winning that Super Bowl a few years ago. Zach Taylor, head coach. Callahan, offensive coordinator, a pretty pretty good squad. Uh, but then the injury to Joe Burrow in training camp, and uh, well, that's where we want to we want to start out. So I want to leave you guys at least some time to talk some wrestling with the Hoekster and Brad Powers. But uh, talk to me on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals team because we know the receiving core is as good as any in the NFL with Chase Higgins and Boyd. But uh, what about this Bengals team, and what happens if uh, you know the kid from Athens? 
uh, Ohio, Joe Burrow can't start the season. What are we looking at from Trevor Simeon and company? Jake Browning, I know, is on the depth chart as well. Uh, boy, we better see better than what we saw out of them against Green Bay. Both of them were not not good. Uh, in fact, you know, this entire town after that game was going, okay, so who's going to be the new quarterback they're going to sign? Uh, and bring in. Is it, uh, can we give Reed Sinet, uh some snaps of uh, the XFL fame? But uh, they're both going to have a chance to to show what they got uh, tomorrow night against the Atlanta Falcons. They both are, you know, adamant that they could play better. Uh, you got a lot of guys out there you know, because the Bengals, as most people do, they don't play their starters. They don't play their ones. Dax Hill was like the only starter that they played that got significant snaps. Uh, in that first game against Green Bay, and frankly, that's because he needs him. He's transitioning into that starting role. He is taking over for Jesse Bates, who is now in Atlanta. Uh, so the Bengals are going to see a couple of old friends uh, in this matchup here on uh, Friday night down at A-Town. But, um, yeah, the look, the, the bottom line is if Joe Burrow has to miss any significant amount of time, uh, yeah, this team is not – this team goes as Joe goes. As talented as they are – the drop-off from Joe to whomever number two is is, is, is not good. Um, so if Joe is going to miss any significant time, you could probably kiss Super Bowl aspirations out the door. The good news is uh, Joe Burrow made a pretty big statement uh, last Friday when he went out there and there were cameras everywhere, and he's out on the field jogging around, running around, no compression sleeve on that right calf, and he's bombing the ball 50 yards down the field. That was done 100% on purpose because – Everybody knows they got TVs on the clubhouse for the last three weeks. It's been on ESPN. Oh, well, what if Joe Burrow misses week one? What if he misses week two? What are, what are the Bengals going to do? The sky is falling. They can't fall 0-2. First off, they can fall 0-2. We saw that last year. They started up the year 4-4 four and four and ended up 12-4 and four and were almost to the Super Bowl again. So um, it's all about keeping this team as healthy as possible because, as you said, they have the horses. They, the, from top to bottom, they have the horses. Now, some – they, they don't have as much depth at some positions as others, but I mean, you look at wide receiver, you look at cornerback, uh, you look at edge rusher. Uh, so, I mean, Miles Murphy, the guy they took in the first round this year, feels like a luxury uh, at this point. And they can just sit back and, and let him kind of develop uh, behind Trey Hendrickson and, and Sam Hubbard and Joseph Asai, who came on last year. So he's going to be a nice rotational piece. They're going to try to move him in the inside uh, a little bit behind B.J. Hill and, and D.J. Reader. But uh, man, they, they got the horses, they offense, defense, special teams. They finally believe that they have shored up the offensive line, uh, adding Orlando Brown Jr. from Kansas City to be this team's left tackle, paying him premium dollars to come in and play that left tackle spot. Uh, they quelled things down with Jonah Williams, who had requested a trade because he's like, hey, I'm the left tackle of this team, so if you're going to sign somebody else, I'm going to go elsewhere. And then he's like, oh, a trade didn't materialize? Oh, yeah, fine, I'll play right tackle. Because of course he is, because he's a professional. So he's going to come over there. They feel comfortable with him over there, so much so that they're not giving him any snaps in the preseason. They, they, they've seen enough. He's got it. And then they have Lael Collins. Whenever he is healthy enough, boom, there you go. you got a $10 million backup uh, in case one of the, uh, the tackles goes down. Because the last two years, what has killed this team has been offensive line play. The first year, when they made it to the Super Bowl, they were just bad. Last year, they lost Alex Kappa. They lost uh, uh, Lael Collins. And they lost Jonah Williams heading into the AFC Championship game. And it burnt them big time uh, against Kansas City. There you go. And they don't want to start 0-2 this year, though, because they're at Cleveland and then they host Baltimore. That'd be a couple of divisional losses. Marco, 
Brad Powers, some last questions there for Ricky Chino. Oh, Rick, good to talk to you, my friend. I yeah. tell you what, I am getting excited about AEW All In. And for those that don't know, uh, All Elite Wrestling is has just about sold out Wembley Stadium, and it's going to be the biggest professional wrestling event of all time. And the card pretty much came together last night. How are you feeling about what's going to be going on at Wembley Stadium here in a couple of weeks? Look, I love what AEW is doing with this card personally, and I have seen a lot of negativity and criticism come Tony Khan's way for this big show, 80,000 fans there. And I see people all the time talking about this card doesn't feel big enough. It feels, you know, rushed together. And like, look, I, I might, I might buy into the fact that the card feels rushed and thrown together because they just started announcing the first matches a couple weeks ago. I could buy into if you're a little upset that there's only one women's match on this card or there's only a, a couple of one-on-one matches on this card. But much of the criticism that I see from the people online and the people I talk to is it doesn't feel like a big spectacle. This card does not scream big spectacle and that is 100 percent wwe thinking and those same exact people who are saying that AEW all in doesn't feel like a big spectacle are the same people who complain about wrestlemania focusing too much on the brock lesnar's the logan pauls and all the the big time part-timers bringing in john cena and this all oh, that they're not giving enough time to the full-timers other people have earned those spots well now all of a sudden tony khan in front of eighty thousand people in in the UK and Wembley stadium is doing exactly what he should be doing. He's throwing out a complete sample of what's on the menu every single week. Here's MJF and Adam Cole. Here's Chris Jericho. Here's Eddie Kingston. Here's the golden elite. Here's the Blackpool combat club doing what they do in stadium stampede. Here's the four best women's wrestlers. We have four of the best that we have in a showcase match. Akira Shida, Tony Storm, Soraya, and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Oh, by the way, here are the Young Bucks and FTR, which might put on the best tag team match ever. Like, he's going out there and saying, you like what you see here? Cool. These guys are on Dynamite. These guys are on Rampage. These guys and gals are on Collision. Come watch us every single week. This is exactly what he needs to be doing. This is very backwards thinking uh, from, you know, this is the kind of card that people would kill for WWE to put on WrestleMania until they actually do it. And they're like, well, wait a minute. Where's Brock Lesnar? Where's John Cena? This doesn't feel like a spectacle. Can't have your cake and eat it too, guys. Like, what are we doing here? Absolutely. Ken, you do want to wrap it up? Yeah, that's good stuff. Ricky Chino, man, I'm telling you, man, I'll get you on uh, one night and I'll just, uh, I'll just say hello and then I'll uh, introduce you to Andy Isco <laughs> and I'll be gone, man. And you guys have a great show. I'll come back in two hours. It'll be outstanding. We got to get Rick out here. Bro. No, for sure. Got to get him out, out here. Rick, it is great, man. So much content, so much information, and uh, really appreciate you, man, big time, taking time out of your night back on the East Coast. But uh, we're going to shift times on my show, and that'll be on the 28th, so it'll be 9 to 11 East Coast time, so it'll be easier to get you uh, before you yeah. get that beauty sleep. So appreciate you taking time, my man. We'll do it again real soon. Thanks, Ricky Chino. Yep, take care, guys. Appreciate there it. There you go. Great stuff. Hour number one in the books, lots of college football with the best in the business, Mr. Brad Powers. Going to go rapid fire, and there's going to be a ton of good questions for Mr. BP. He has no notes. He doesn't need him. He's the best. 101.5 FM KDOM. We're streaming live on that Odyssey app worldwide. Haven't downloaded it? Do it now. Live from PSBR Law Studios. You're listening to SportsX Radio. I'm Ken Thompson with producer Mark Hoke. We'll be right back.
Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shade Boil and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind. Visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, hour number two, KT with Brad Powers in studio, so plenty of college football to get into. You heard Preventative Diagnostic Center there at the top of both hours. Dr. John Pearson Company, they've got one of the best things in the Vegas Valley, and I'm talking about PD Center. And if uh, demographically you fall between the ages of 40 and 72, you're pretty fortunate because we've got the only scanner of its kind in the region. It gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease, lung disease. Talking about the Preventative Diagnostic Center, Dr. John Pierce has a great crew over there. Jot the number down now. You can actually call, leave a message. They'll get back to you, get that free educational consultation. Let them know Ken Thompson, SportsX Radio, sent you. 702, you got down, 534 7900 534-7900. Comfortable scan takes a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist, heart CT scan, and calcium score special. This is the best because, guys, you don't want to get blindsided by the Widowmaker. Ladies, number one killer of women annually is heart disease in this country. All the cancers combined, heart disease still exceeds that. So please get down there. Take advantage of this special $125 for a $600 value to get that heart CT scan and calcium score. Your significant other absolutely free. So the two of you get in there, $1,200 value total of $125 Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. They've got the software. They can find the myocarditis, the pericarditis. Uh, you could have, uh, you, you know, blood clots. Who knows? All this stuff, you know, you know the way KT is as far as the vaccines. I don't trust any of them. I, I never have. It's just too much now that has come out to where we're seeing it. And if you want to turn a blind eye to it, that's your prerogative. But right now I'm telling you, when I look at the athletes across the world, the amount of myocarditis and pericarditis and sudden death and all this stuff, you don't have to tell me twice. I mean, there's a lot of people that are still, oh, conspiracy theory. Look, you want to think that? Great. But when you start looking at the numbers, it's absolutely unbelievable. And when you start seeing kids 14, 15, 17, 18 dropping like flies across the world, this isn't the only country. Talking about you know soccer players and rugby players and marathon runners. All over the world. It's been happening for the last two years at an unbelievable rate. So please get down there. If you're between 40 and 72, you can check out your heart and know that you're in good shape there. Again, 534-7900. Brad Powers is with me, BP. Plenty of college football. And we've got games coming up a week from Saturday. Unbelievable. Not a huge schedule, but that is what they call week zero. And I'm just wondering, for our listeners out there, 
because I know you've played. I said I because I, I, it was somewhere around three fifty a few weeks back, but I said what's it at now? About three seventy three, and you said you're right around there, KT. I, I mean, you're, you're I'm right there in the ballpark. Three hundred and seventy three bets. Those are all college football bets, futures, and games, right? Yep, games, futures, season win totals. Obviously, over well over a hundred season win total bets. Uh, you know, Heisman bets. You name it. It's it's all there. 82 week zero week one bets. 82. I just counted those today. Wow. Okay. So Navy Notre Dame, that's the earliest game that'll be from Ireland. And the last we saw was Notre Dame minus 20 and a half. Uh, I've got all the updated lines and whatnot. But what did you get that game at side and total? Because I know you've got a, a pretty good wager as far as the total on that game. Yeah, initially I took Navy plus 21.5. I mean, come on, you don't have to be Einstein to figure out why I made that bet. You know, above a, a relatively key number, getting a hook uh, on a team that, uh, you know, has, you know, given Notre Dame problems in the past, including last year, only losing by three. So I took Navy there. Uh, total, I like more. I bet the total over 48.5. I bet it over 49. I still would find value. If you're looking to make a bet right now in week zero, I like over 50.5. I'm not a big trends guy anymore. I'm not a big series history guy, but I'm here to tell you, this is one I pay attention to. Uh, and it's obviously a Notre Dame team that I paid attention to my whole life. Right. But particularly Navy series, KT. Let's go back to the last 14 matchups. 12 of them have gone over this total by a significant margin. We're talking the average score in those meetings, 61.5 points per game. So, you know, 10-plus points over what this total is. Notre Dame's gone over this total in plenty of those matchups. So, And also stylistically, it makes sense. Notre Dame can't replicate Navy's offense in practice because it's a unique offense option. And Navy can't replicate Notre Dame's athletes, particularly on offense as far as the pass attack goes because Navy doesn't have quarterbacks that can throw the football. Notre Dame has a quarterback can throw the football this year, unlike last year, Sam Hartman. So you add that together. I like the over, KT. There a lot. Still at 50 and a half, folks, there's still value there. Brad, when does the, uh, the value run out completely? I may 52, but 51, I start, you know, eh, I mean, why, why are you waiting at this point? We're talking, we're, we're not, we're nine days away, KT. So don't be afraid to get make that it. bet. Yeah. Get on it. UMass, New Mexico State, two teams that nobody's really going to pay attention. Is there value in that game? I bet both side in total. I bet over 42 and a half. I bet plus 10 and a half. I would not bet it at the current numbers. All right. Current numbers right now, New Mexico State minus seven and a half, 45. That game's in Las Cruces, right? It is, okay. and I've been to Las Cruces. Nice area. I liked it a lot. That's one of the uh, football fields that you have visited, uh, stadiums. How many stadiums have you taken in? I'm at 63 right now, 63. almost halfway there. Are they all uh, FBS, or have you visited some FCS stadiums? All FBS right now. I'll get to the FCS when I finish the FBS. I still got probably three, four years left. I want you to go to a, a game at South Dakota State when they play North Dakota State, but it's got to be at South Dakota State, so it's nice and cold. Because these kids from Fargo now, they play indoors. Oh. It's unbelievable. North Dakota is the one state, one of the very few states I haven't been to, so I'd actually prefer it to be in North Dakota, KT. Yeah, Hoekster, you can chime in, man. It's okay. Your guys, you know, they're like the, the Detroit Lions or the uh, Minnesota Vikings of the NFC North. Uh, you still have the Packers and the Bears that, you know, play outside. The true uh, elements there uh, in the old black and blue division, but you guys elected to... Go inside a little Fargo Dome and stay warm. A little Fargo Dome? Really? Did you just say that? I did. You ever you ever um, done a game up at Dakota Field, Ken? I have not. Did you go to a game at Dakota Field? I've been to a game 
at Dakota Field. Yeah. Let me put it to you this way. Okay. You want to get the recruits in there? Yeah. Dome. It's ridiculous, All right, so Ken. let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. How cold does it get for South Dakota State? Because they're still playing outdoors. They had a cold one last year, but it's colder. It's it's way colder up in Fargo. Way colder. Like yeah. what? It's, Instead it's a four of four hour, four hour drive, isn't it? North yeah. three four hour it's, drive. Yeah. Big difference. Well, it, it big is difference. What? Ten difference. degrees, maybe. Do, do, do you're you know, outside. You're the number one that, team in the country. You, you, you have you have another issue that that there's massive wind that goes in on, into Fargo. It, it is. You know what? Here's my hope. It is completely my hope flat is that, out there. Here's my hope. My hope is that what? you end up playing them in the playoffs, but not in the final in Frisco, Texas. That you have to go to South Dakota State in the winter. We're fine. And come out of the dome. Like, like we don't. Like they don't do anything outside. Are you kidding me? Last time, but of course we got a brand new. Last time you beat those guys, there was no COVID. I mean, it was pre-COVID. Oh boy. Are you really going to go there? I just got to get there. I did. I, I, Brad Powers told me it's four in a row for the Jacks. You know, yeah, it is. There you go. All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, Florida International, Louisiana Tech. <laughs> you here. better move on. <laughs> La Tech at home, minus 10, with a pretty good quarterback from Boise State that transferred there, Bachmeyer, 58.5 against the Panthers. Value still there, side or total? Wow. Uh, not really. No, I made it 10. Uh, I think there's a couple of 10.5s out there, maybe even 11. Uh, that's where I would bet. I would, I'd take the points with FIU. Yeah, 10 pretty much everywhere in Vegas. Uh, if you have uh, you know, your DraftKings or uh, your bookmakers or things like that, you can find uh, in, in excess of 10, 10.5 and 11s out there as well. Now, here's a game KT is going to be interested in. And I'm used to watching USC win game one at the Coliseum, but not always run it up. I remember going to the UNLV game several years ago. Tony Sanchez kept the Rebs right in that game. SC ended up winning, I think, by 12 or 13. USC minus 30 and a half against uh, Chavin Cordero and a pretty good San Jose State offense anyway as far as uh, Cordero. is pretty solid quarterback. But do they have enough protection that they're going to be able to uh, keep those SC grad transfers and transfers on defense for Alex Grinch? out of the backfield and give the Spartans a chance to maybe get a couple touchdowns on uh, the Trojans and, and stay within shouting distance. No, nah, I'd prefer to be on the USC side, believe it or not, KT. You know me. I, I thought, uh, you know, USC was a phony last year. I don't think they're a phony this year. I think they're legitimate, uh, particularly defense. I like their additions. Uh, I really liked, you know, Bear Alexander from Georgia post-spring. I even liked what they did on offense, getting that guard from Wyoming, because that, that was the two positions I thought they needed to get. Obviously, love Caleb Williams. I love the receiver core, even though, you know, Addison departs. I love what they did at the skill position as far as recruiting. Mason Cobb at linebacker, this Tackett, uh, Tackett Curtis kid, true freshman linebacker. Keep an eye on him, KT. I really like him a lot. Uh, you just add it all up, and I think they're a legitimate playoff team this year. Yeah, and they've got some depth on the defensive side of the ball. When I was talking with Pete Arbogast, he said, look, you got uh, even transfers like Jack Sullivan. You mentioned Bear Alexander, yeah. uh, Kion Bars from Arizona, yep. Anthony Lucas from A&M. I mean, Mason Cobb, I got to talk to him at the uh, Pac-12 Media Day, the kid from Oklahoma State. So, yeah, there's definitely some players. And grabbing Dorian Singer, pretty solid wide receiver there for the, uh, uh, the, the Wildcats there of Arizona. I mean, this kid was solid. He'll step right in. But Brendan Rice started yeah, stepping up great. last year. And Taj Mario Washington, Williams. Yeah, Mario Taj, Williams. This, 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 there is depth. They got a five-star wide receiver. Michael Bran- Jackson the third would start on a yeah, lot of teams. Branch has moved to the slot, the five-star from last year. Uh, 
weapons Zachariah galore. Branch, yep. As many weapons as any team in the country, and you got the best player in college football throwing it to him, and the best offensive play caller. Add it all up, KT, and I'm telling you, I love them Trojans this year. Bet over their win total. Yeah, and the, the backfield, Austin Jones stepped in big time last year when Dye went down. Marshawn Lloyd coming over from South Carolina. Relique Brown's got, you know, game. There's, there's a lot to like about this Southern Cal team. The question is, Alex Grinch, he's been a – a weak link, according to yep. a lot of people that I know, as far as defensive coordinator, is he good enough to take advantage of all these solid transfers that they got and mesh them together? Should. Uh, here's the negative, though. Schedule is tougher, particularly the last six games of the, 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 uh, of the schedule. First six is right. going to be a breeze. They're had they're six and zero heading to South Bend. I'm telling you right now, that's a guarantee. <laughs> uh, last six, I mean, unlike last year, you didn't play Oregon, you didn't play Washington, you play both this year. You get Washington season. at home, but you do go to Austin Stadium. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I do expect SC when it's all said and done to, to, at the very least, be in the Pac-12 title game. But again, I I'm not worried so much about the Pac-12. It's if they get matched up with a Michigan or a Georgia, that'll be the test whether or not you know that defense can hold up at the point of attack. That would be my question. They only have to slow down teams when you have an offense like that. Better offense, USC or Michigan? I know Michigan's run oh, game. Oh, USC, okay. absolutely. All right. I just, you know, I worry, you know, up front. I mean, they, you know, obviously Williams got hurt and Utah teed off on him. But, I mean, I'm here to tell you, like, the Georges uh, of the world in Michigan, you know, might give them a little bit more physicality than what they'll see at any point in the regular season. Utah, the one barometer as far as physicality year in, year out. Yeah, absolutely. They do get Utah at home this year. There you go. All right. uh, Next game on the docket, Ohio and San Diego State. What about this Ohio team? The boys from Athens, they're going to be one of the top teams in the MAC. Yeah, they got the best offense in the MAC, in my opinion, led by the best player in the MAC, as long provided he's healthy. And Curtis Rourke yep. uh, returns, uh, leading wide receivers back. Uh, they had the freshman running back of the year last year. I, I really like the offense. Uh, defense, my concern will be up front. Uh, I really like the interior of their defensive line. Rewatching the bowl game against Wyoming, I, those guys impressed me. They're both departing, but at all together, it's a dangerous team. They're the second best team in the MAC behind Toledo. All right, now what about San Diego State and Brady Hoke? What about this squad? What can we expect? There's always physicality there as far as a Mountain West team. You look at some of the teams year in, year out, and San Diego State's always one of the physical teams. How good is this uh, Aztec squad? I got question marks. Uh, new offense are trying to open it up a little bit. Uh, Lindley's going to be their offense corner. They tried to open it up in the bowl game. I thought it was a disaster. I don't know why they t- attempted 43 passes. I'm not sure if they have the quarterback that Maiden can – yeah, came on. He was playing. There was a reason why he was playing safety last year, in the middle of last year, and then he get, got converted to quarterback. I just don't think they had the passing attack that would scare me on a week in and week out basis. And I think that, you know defensively they're not as good as what they were, you know, in the Rocky Long heyday. So I think it's you know if you're asking me, I haven't bet their win total yet because I think that six and a half seven number is about right. I'm asking you as far as Ohio plus three and a half was the last we saw. As far it's as that, is mainly that line moved? Three, three painted across the board. Uh, my group has taken a part of that. We've right. taken Ohio. Still value, though, no, as far no, as? No, three's three is the number. Yep, three is the number. But I'm saying, is, is, is there value taking Ohio? Because three and a half. I mean, yeah, you, if you've you're got think, three and a half, oh, take the hook. But I'm, but I'm saying you're thinking Ohio's good enough to win the game. Yeah, I think they're good enough to win the game, but I, I mean that half point around the, the key number in football, three or seven, right. is a big difference. I got done saying at the top more of the show in the pros than the college. Yeah, pro, uh, pros three is more more key than seven. Seven in college is the most key number because higher scoring. UTEP, 
Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State, the Gamecocks, their first year FBS. They're at home for this one. Last I saw, in fact, I'm looking now, minors are minus one on the road, 52 the total. Value with Jacksonville State? No, I agree with the move with UTEP going flipping the favorite. In fact, I got UTEP plus three and a half. Again, I'm going to say this because these lines have been out three, four months now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just late to the party. Let's just wait and see if we get late week injury news in this one. I made UTEP one, so I'm not going to bet the side right now. Matchup to look. I'm more now looking at the, you know, what's the matchup to look at. The thing I'd like to look at in this game is UTEP's offensive line, which I was really impressed with last year. Four returning starters, you pop in the Boise State game. They just ran right down Boise State's throat. Mm-hmm. The problem I have with Jacksonville State this year, go look at their starting defensive line and look at those weights. We're talking like 235, 250, 275. Do the, can they wear down in that second half? Because that would be my game plan if I'm UTEP. If they can hold up, then Jacksonville State's very capable of pulling the upset here. But right now I think UTEP deserves to be favored. Dana Demo's done a decent job there. Really good job considering, I mean, that's one of the toughest places to recruit to in the entire country. Uh you know, that Las Cruces, El Paso area. I liked it, but I could just see. I mean, it's out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you get lost there, you're in a world of hurt, KT. Yeah, Hardison's a, a returning quarterback. He's got yep. a lot of experience under his belt. So, And they get that Smith kid at wide receiver. He went to Texas A&M for the spring, transferred back to UTEP post-spring. There you go, Tyron Smith. We'll keep yep. an eye on him. Uh, last game, Hawaii at Vanderbilt. That'll be a 4.30 Pacific time start. Uh, the latest game will actually be at 6 o'clock Pacific, Florida International and La Tech, but Hawaii and Vandy. Vandy, 18 and a half was the uh, line that I had seen. Let me see if that line has moved. It's down to 17. Vanderbilt minus 17, 56. Timmy Chang, a rough go of it. What about Hawaii? I think slight value there. I understand the line move. I didn't bet it, though. Uh, I'll say this. You know, KT, you and I following Hawaii football a long time. A lot of people used to watch Hawaii football. I don't think people pay attention to Hawaii football as much as they used to because there's other games on different networks, and Hawaii's not that, you know, Timmy Chang and all that June Jones offense. People aren't paying attention. What I'm getting at is, very quietly, Hawaii was much more competitive at the end of last year than what they were at the start when they were getting beat by 50 points to the Vanderbilt team at home at the start. So, you know, slight value on Hawaii. I just think they're a little bit better than people expected. And I'm not one to want to lay a bunch of points with Vanderbilt. Just a losing outfit. Yeah, there you go. Clark Lee and, uh, of course, Timmy Chang. Uh, give him credit in his first year as head coach for keeping the guys focused to yep. continue playing after you're getting your head bashed in. They're going to the play with heavy hearts games. with, the, obviously, what's happened Maui, in, in yep. Hawaii, Hawaii. And Timmy Chang, you know, that, that they call that the brotherhood. Uh, they, they, will, they will play very inspired. Good Especially the next week against Stanford. So I, here's the best piece of advice I'd give anybody. Here's what will happen. Hawaii plays a week zero game against Vanderbilt. The books will leave up the week one game against Stanford up while that game's being played. So if there's a big disparity, Hawaii's competing. It's a tie ball game with the Vanderbilt in the third quarter. You want to bet Hawaii against Stanford for that game six days later because they left that line up. Hawaii's going to be upgraded. If Hawaii's getting crushed in that game, that game, that, that line against Stanford's not going to hold, so you're going to fade Hawaii there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. That's really good information. And, again, that game, uh, game 155-156 will be Friday, September 1st, Stanford, minus 10 at Down Hawaii. Down to 7. Down to 7. Yeah. Wow. That's where I'm, we're going to get into. We've got games on the 31st of Thursday, some games on Friday the 1st, and then we get into a big Saturday on September the 2nd. 
We'll talk with Brad Powers when we come back. Keep it right here. We're talking college football, SportsX Radio, 101.5 FMK Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app. Follow Brad Powers at Brad Power 7 He's got so many followers now, he doesn't even know who's following him. I mean, it's, it's absolutely, it's gone berserk, but that's what I tell you. The guy's the best there is. He moves lines. And, uh, you know, it's just the way he is. It's what he's been doing. It's his passion. It's what he does better than anybody else. And KT has a lot of respect for BP. Can still hold my own as we get into the season, but so much respect for this guy. Does it year-round and really moves the lines, and I just enjoy talking to him and learning from him. You can always learn from people that are younger than you if they're uh, at the top of their game, and Brad Powers has been at the top of his game for a long time. Producer Mark Koch, remember the Mark Koch Show. He's at the top of his game 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, the best in professional wrestling, the Mark Koch Show, SportsX Radio. You miss any part of the show, archives up by 11 o'clock Pacific time. But the big news last night, we are transitioning 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. starting on August 28th. So that Monday, a week from this upcoming Monday, we will be 6 to 8 p.m., so that'll be 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. We'll be able to get a lot more of those East Coast guests, the Midwest guests as well, and we'll be able to uh, keep things rocking and rolling. And, of course, I've got the great producer in Marco who will be in his glory throughout September and uh, into the playoffs as those Orioles look to get that World Series. KT, of course, with his Mets going down the drain, he's been rooting for those Orioles for a while. We'll see if they can keep things going. Hopefully back on track tomorrow when they're in Oakland. Three games set against the A's. Looking for a little sweep there. We are live from Vegas. Keep things rolling on a throwback Thursday with Brad Powers. We're coming right back at you. Music coming back there, a little Top Gun. Mark Hoke's been in the hits there. KT, four years on an aircraft carrier, can uh, can relate to old Maverick and uh, Top Gun. Good. Did stuff you like there. the new one? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did too. I it was did. awesome. I did, and I liked awesome. that. Uh, I like that they got Val Kilmer in there. I did too. You know, it's uh, it's kind of a throwback movie. It made you feel last. I haven't felt good coming out of movie theaters too much lately. That one, I felt good. Yeah, you neither know? is Disney. <laughs> Just saying. That's right. Could uh, lose a billion dollars. That kind of sucks. Yeah, not going to feel sorry for Disney. <laughs> uh, is what it is, man. Uh, let's move on uh, as we're talking college football with Mr. Brad Powers. Kent State, UCF, UCF, uh, one of the four new teams to the Big Twelve. Kent State, how good are they going to be in the uh, Mid American Conference? Not too good, are they? No, I mean this is one of the worst teams in college football. I went to the stadium, man. I I try to spend stuff positive, but man, that's that was the worst stadium I've been to, KT. Really? Just the, yeah, it's a dump. But I like the neighborhood. I didn't know it was farm country right around there. I would have th- thought, you know, right around the Cleveland area suburb, I thought it would be city, but it wasn't. But that being said, you know, they're big unknown. I don't know much about the coaching staff, believe it or not. You know, zero returning starters on offense. I've never seen that, KT, on offense or defense. Zero. So, uh they're bad, but they're being priced as a bad team, KT. Mr. Blutarski, 0.0. Yeah. Lines up to 35 from yeah, 33 and a half. Can't do it? Can't do it. Uh, 35 and a half, that's a go for Kent State, honestly. 58 your total. I bet over 56 and a half. Uh, lean over. You, I th- just, you think Kent will score or does UCF get all of that? I think UCF's the type of team that could get most of that themselves. And We just need Kent State to you know score. 
seven, ten points. Wow. Boy, that's that's sad to see the Golden Flashes fall that far. Well, Sean Lewis was a really good coach, and, mm-hmm. and maybe his record didn't uh, reflect it, but when you're playing, you know, when your non-conference last year was Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia, I mean, it's tough to, to win football games because you get beat up in those three games, and I, I just I think he's a really good offensive coach, and now he's gone. North Carolina State, UConn. Jim Mora Jr. doing a pretty nice job with those uh, Huskies last year. North Carolina State minus 15, 47 and a half. They lost their quarterback last year, a Heisman front runner, and uh, that hurt, and, and then it, he actually ends up transferring. What about NC State and Dorn State? Well, they bring in uh, Brennan Armstrong, yep, uh, and there's Virginia, some familiarity yeah. because uh, his offense corner, and they bring him from Syracuse, Robert and I. Both of those guys were at Virginia when Armstrong had that big season a couple years ago. So uh, I like that, but I think there might be a little bit of transition. I don't like the wide receiver core that much, although they picked up a big guy, that Rosner kid from Rice, just about a month ago they picked up. Bradley Rosner, so that was a big pickup for NC State. But NC uh, Connecticut's the right side, in my opinion, here. We've seen the move, movement on Connecticut. I thought Mora Jr. did a fantastic job last no year. No doubt. Keep in mind, they got the ball eligibility. This was one of the most banged-up teams in all of college football. They lost basically all their skill position players at the start of the season. So I think they're much better than uh, anything above 14. Give me to the Huskies. Nebraska and Minnesota, a Big Ten opener to start the season. This will be a 5 o'clock game on August the 31st, on that Thursday night. Minnesota minus seven, P.J. Flex team, 46 to total, and talked about him as far as uh, grabbing some key guys from Western Michigan, his old school. Yeah, the running back and wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you another transfer to keep an eye on. Spencer from Charlotte uh, is a good wide receiver. I mean, he might be their top guy. So they got Spam Ford at tight end, one of the better tight ends in the country. I like Minnesota in the game. I just think there's going to be an adjustment period for Matt Rule in his first year, and I haven't liked everything I've read out of camp out of Nebraska. It is weird, uh, Nebraska. I mean, how long have they been in the Big Ten now, 10 years? Uh, more. This is year 13 already. Wow. I mean, you just never really – I mean, to me, I just never really feel like they're, they've they no. made their mark at all in the Big Ten. Shame. I thought they lost – you know, obviously you don't, you're not going to pick up a lot of recruits out of the state of Nebraska, but they've lost their kind of recruiting dynamic out of Texas. You're not playing the Texas schools anymore. Uh, I don't know. They just kind of lost their way. Can Rule restore that program? To what, though? To, uh, to say, an Iowa-type team. Yeah, like it should Ferenc. be. Like that, an 8-4, 7-5. That, I get the angst out of Nebraska fans. How can we not be? I mean, they can't beat Iowa, can't beat Minnesota. That I understand. I would be pretty ticked that we can't compete with those teams, the Wisconsin's of the world. Are they going back to – three national titles in four years like they were in the 90s? No, I think those days are completely over with. But there's no reason with the commitment they have and the fan base and the loyalty that they can't at least be an eight- and nine-win team, which they were under Bo Pelini. They fired him. Keep in mind they were a ten-win team, and they fired, uh, obviously, uh, the guy who replaced uh, uh, Osborne. They fired him. He's at Ohio. Oh, yeah, uh, Solich. Solich. They fired he, Ten wins wasn't good enough for him. Eight, nine wins wasn't good enough for Pelini. They're kind of getting what, you know, karma, in my opinion, the last five, six years. Yeah, we'll see uh, how it ha- how it happens for Matt Rule. We know he did a bang-up job at Temple, and then Baylor struggled there in the NFL there with Carolina, but we know the guy can flat-out coach college football, so we'll see. Do you believe in that good. Solich curse because they fired him and he wasn't welcome back on campus for 20 years? They just welcomed him back this spring. It was emotional. I actually had a tear in my eye the spring game. It was pretty emotional. Stadium. Welcome, okay. No, there was bad blood. But he didn't right. think he was, you know, they 
Keep in mind, he was right. an All-American fullback and, in Nebraska, and he was he was doing ten and you know ten and three, yeah, nine and three, him. ten and two. There nine was and bad three. blood on both sides. There, he wouldn't come back. They didn't welcome him back, but they finally did this spring, first he, time in twenty and he years. He goes and, and does a bang up job at Ohio yeah, with the Bobcats. Yeah. I mean, yep. this guy, that guy, could flat out coach. Yep. So we'll see. That wow. curse might have been lifted a little bit. There you go. All right, Florida and Utah down to seven. This line was higher. It's at Rice Eccles. Little revenge. Last year, Utah had an opportunity, major opportunity in Gainesville to win that game, let it get away. So anticipation was that Rice Eccles will be rocking and rolling and they're going to get revenge, but the injury bug's still coming to the forefront. Yeah, Cam Rising really hasn't practiced all offseason, and now we're two weeks out from tonight. And uh, he hasn't ta- he's been very limited contact. Keithy's been limited contact, the outstanding tight end. You know, Kincaid's off to the NFL, so we'll see in that regard. And then the ex- expectation was, hey, if uh, Rising's not ready, this Brandon Rose kid looked pretty good in the spring. He's going to be the quarterback. No, he suffered a major injury last week, so might be down to a third-string quarterback. Barnes. Barnes, yeah. He, 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 he played he, well in the yeah, Rose Bowl. He, he actually, yeah, he got some much-needed experience last That's year. Still Here's a big the thing, though, though. I, I, and I don't know Chris Curry, but Jalen Glover, Micah Bernard, and Jaquindon Jackson, those are three pretty good running backs. It's going to be a lot of running. I like Jackson a lot. So you've seen money come in on Florida. And people aren't big on Florida this year. It's just, you know, the the, the question marks for Utah. I think the better play was the under. Uh, and that's moved 10 points now. Wow. That is wild. <laughs> 10 points. Well, at least 10 40. points from what I got. Well, you got, so, you got 56 it at, and a half. Wow. And it's, of course, uh, at 46 and a half right now. Brad Powers. Hey, when we tell you the guy gets the best of the numbers, if things have been up for a while, <laughs> you can <laughs> see the discrepancy as far yeah. as what you'd get. Uh, any value in that game with the line at seven? Do you stay away or do you take Florida if you know Rising's not playing? Right now, I can only be talked into Florida. Keep in mind, it was eight and a half just Monday. So, I mean, there, we've seen movement even this week. But uh, right now, it's a pizza bet, Florida. September 1st, Friday, Miami of Ohio, Miami of Florida. Pressure on Cristobal, minus 17 against the Red Hawks, 46 your total. Yeah, it's a lot of points, you'd think, with what Miami was offensively, the, the Hurricanes last year. But I kind of like them here in this game. I'll lay the 17. Haven't bet it yet. is flexing an 18 right now. Yeah, and Circa is that one, it's almost like what they used to call the penny lean, the pinnacle mm-hmm. lean. If they were leaning one way, that's kind of the right side. I think that's the right side in this one. So give me the Miami. All I think right. they're much improved. Michigan State, we know uh, uh, their quarterback transferred, in fact, won the job at Auburn, Peyton Thorne. Yep. Uh, Michigan State minus 14.5 against Central Michigan. Chippewa's in for a long year. Look at KT knowing that was just announced today that Thorne was going to be the starter. You're oh. on top of it, KT. Act like you're not. You are. Uh, Central Michigan, I'm worried. They beat out the kid Ashford, the runner from Oregon. Yep. Uh, look at you. Uh, yeah, I'm worried about Central Michigan a little bit. You know, the, the kid came on the scene, uh, Bert Emanuel, uh, came on the scene last year, but, I mean, couldn't throw the football. He only attempted four passes in four games. So, I mean, that, that worries me a little bit. Uh, he, he's still in a neck-and-neck battle there. I don't like Michigan State at all this year, but I'll lay the points here. I just, I, KT, I know I'm, I'm going to sound chalky here in some of these. They're, the gap between the Power Five and the Group of Five is only expanding. These Group of, it, we'll talk about the FCS level and the G5 level, they are getting poached. They're top players each year from the transfer portal, and they're not replacing them with similar quality talent. All right, so Georgia Tech and Louisville. Louisville's at Georgia Tech. It's actually in Atlanta, that game. 
And uh, I believe we saw the line at eight. Yes, Louisville minus eight, 51-year total in this game. And it's a Georgia Tech team that uh, their quarterback, Sims, transferred. So they have Zach Pyron, who played last year. And they also have Haynes King, who transferred from A&M. What about Georgia Tech? Can they hang inside that number against Louisville? Haven't bet it yet. Uh, Eight's right where I put it. Wait, you haven't bet it yet? Is that like one of the – I'm trying not games? to say too much. No, I, I mean, I bet the total one's down three, four points. I just wouldn't bet it at the current numbers. I do like – I'm a, a big buyer of Louisville not only this year, but long-term, I'm a big Jeff Brom fan. I love that hire. I do too. I love it, you know, and I'm glad Home he's run. And, it, and And Brian Brom is brother offensive coordinator. Yeah, I like what he did in the transfer portal. I like what they're doing in recruiting. And I don't think people realize – there is money at Louisville, and they will spend it. So he bought a couple guys from Purdue with him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Uh, but so, uh, but you know, offensive line—they outbidded a kid for Ohio State needed offensive lineman tackle. He got the kid from Purdue to come with them to Louisville. Beautiful. All right, uh, last game. You talked about it already. Stanford, Hawaii, and you thought there's advantage as far as what? Because Hawaii's playing in Week Zero. You said there's advantage as far as film. Yeah, there is. So I didn't get into this when we were talking about it last segment. So what I have found, and the data has said this over the last 20 years, it is better to have film on your opponent than to actually play the game. So people talk about the game under belt advantage. You know, there isn't one. It's actually if you bet on the team that's playing their first game against the team that's already played a game or, you know, COVID season one game, two games, three games, you're actually 55% against the spread betting on the team playing their first game compared to the team that already has game experience. And we're talking about a sample size of several hundred games at this point. So, yeah, I, uh, I again, I kind of like Hawaii in that game. We'll throw that, you know, that stat aside. But again, what I said last segment was watch the Hawaii Vanderbilt game, pay attention what's happening in that one, and you might be able to find some value either pro or against Hawaii in this game, depending on that outcome of against Vanderbilt. Hawaii Vanderbilt that'll be on the SEC network. It is on the SEC network. Okay, yep. I would figure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that'll be, of course. On Saturday, August 26th, that's a 4.30 Pacific time start. So take Brad's recommendation, watch that game, see how it's going, and get down on Stanford-Hawaii, depending on what's going on. And that game will be an 8 o'clock start on Friday, September the 1st. We'll come back with BP. We'll wrap things up. We'll get into some of the games, probably not all the games, on Saturday the 2nd. And uh, there's some good ones, and we'll pick and choose some spots. And also, we'll find out on some of those quarterback battles, uh, as we told you, we know that uh, Thorne is the starter for Auburn, but there's some other battles, and BP can enlighten us where those quarterback battles are going. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download it now. PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas is where we are. Mark Hoke takes us to our final break. SportsX Radio. We'll be right back. Georgia. Georgia. The whole day through Just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia on my mind Georgia on my mind Ray Charles, man, hard to even cut him off. My dad used to listen to Ray Charles, was one of those record collections that we had. We don't have to. I know we don't, but I've got Brad Powers here, so I've got to uh, take advantage of uh, the best in college football. But, yeah, Georgia, of course, as we relate to college football, two-time defending champions. And, of course, Corey Allen, my buddy that joins the show, 
uh, Georgia alum and uh, number 80 back in the day for Auburn in the 90s. Caught that first overtime score in SEC history. Yeah, the game-winning score. Trying to remember if that was against Tennessee. Probably uh, was against Auburn. It was. That's right. It was against Auburn. That's right. That's who it was. It was against Auburn. Yes, good stuff. In fact, uh, I think you were – were you on one night with, uh, with, with Corey Allen? Did I have yeah, you? I think one night. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were here, I think. Back in the day. Good stuff. All right, Brad Powers. Uh, Ray Charles, yeah, outstanding. But Dad used to have the record collection. What about you and your dad, the traditions? I know you went to Notre Dame games. Was he a music guy that would get the – He was, the, yeah. yeah. In fact, that's funny you just said that. We had a little uh, – we went back home for a while uh, just a few weeks ago. He did the trip with me, the stadium tour. Oh, nice. Uh, we had a little music playoff because I'm pretty good at music okay. for, for a guy my age because right, right. I love old stuff. Sure, sure. He got me. He beat me. And I, I don't get beat very often in that. Uh, he played – I couldn't top it. We tried to top each other. Hey, have you seen this live performance? Have you seen this? Andre Ryu is like a famous violin. Violin, okay. Yeah. My, and Christy would know right away because my I'm going to send course. it to you, KT. All right. He had a version of My Way. Oof. Wow. Three, four notes in. I'm like in tears. It was that good. So I'll send it to you. That is great stuff. I couldn't Christina, top it. I was like, yeah. Dad, I tap out. I can't top this. That's my wife. And my yeah. wife actually sing, sang opera, and but yeah. she knew all this. I mean, incredible. Just all the different. It doesn't matter what genre, but she knows. You know, from the all the classical, everything, the jazz, all that, the big band. I'm going to give you another one that yeah. I had no idea. Anthony Hopkins, the uh, famous actor, Silence right. of the Lambs. Yes. He composed this waltz that I didn't know he was a composer. And Andre Ryu played it. Like, it was the first time Anthony Hopkins had heard his composition that he did in the 60s on a grand orchestra. Very good. I will send that to you. To Sir Anthony KT. Hopkins, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Night yes. it. Okay, uh, great stuff, BP. Saturday, September 2nd, bunch of big games all around. Is this East Carolina team that bad? How about this bet that I made? Was that with, uh, was that with you? No. No, I bet some. okay, because I bet somebody, uh, I'll have to remember who it was. Yeah. I bet okay, ECU no, in this game. No, no. Who will Michigan win by more against, East Carolina or UNLV? Oh, wow, that's a good bet. Uh They'll win more against UNLV. They will. Yeah. Then I'll lose. I'm sorry. All right. That's okay. That's all right. I'd rather have my bubble burst now. Uh, You see you, a new quarterback, right? Yeah, Mason Garcia. Holton Eilers was there forever. Yeah, a decade it felt like. (laughs) So Mason Garcia is the new kid. He's 6'5", 245 pounds. I watched him. uh, He started a game a few years ago, like 2020 against Navy. I watched that game, honestly. I don't think it'll be that significant a downgrade. Pro pro arm, big kid. Runner? Uh, Can he run like Yeah, Ellis? not really. Uh the the bigger loss in my opinion, Keaton Mitchell, that running back number two for East Carolina, big speed guy, that'll be a bigger loss. All right. Sports X Michelle, she's going for her PhD at Liberty. They're playing your alma mater, bowling green. Liberty minus twelve. New coach, fifty one and a half your total. Guy from uh, Coastal Carolina coming over there did a real nice job. Yeah, Jamie Chadwell, new coach, good hire. Uh, Liberty has money. That was the place that I visited that I was like, wow. Lynchburg? Lynch- yeah, we stayed stayed the night there, and then it's in the hills. I'll go there when she gets her Ph.D. for graduation. You're going to be impressed. Yes. Okay. All new buildings, you can tell. Football stadium's nice. Uh, I like him in this game, but first-year coach, first game. And Liberty's had three, four guys get banged up. Uh, fall camp's not been kind of them. So 
lean Liberty, haven't bet it yet. Ohio State in Bloomington. Uh, Coach Allen's running out of, uh, boy, uh, opportunity. I mean, he had this program trending in the right direction. They've kind of fallen on hard times. Ohio State, new quarterback, but pretty good. And I know the rest of the team is loaded. The, the running game, the receivers could be the best combination of running backs and receivers yep. on any team in the country. 28, 59 and a half your total. Is that cheap or is that uh, is, is Indiana a team that may be able to hang around and ride the crowd early? Yeah, in a game where you don't know what you have at quarterback, an offense line is also an issue for Ohio State. It's a conference game. I think it's a little rich, so I'm going to lean Indiana. I bet Indiana plus 28 and a half in the game. Panish's boys, Fresno State, got to talk with uh, Tedford, taking on Walters, a new coach who comes over from Illinois. Purdue minus 450 and a half, and I talked to Coach Tedford because he plays you know, week one, Purdue, first-year head coach, week three at Arizona State, first-year head coach in Dillingham. So I thought maybe a coaching advantage for Tedford. Well, we've seen the market move towards Fresno State this week. It had, this isn't a move that happened two months ago. This happened in the last couple of days. That six, six and a half has been you know, brought down to four. So I think Fresno State, I'm part of it. Fresno State, I think, is the correct side. Would I bet it at four? No. Mikey Keene going to start over Logan Fife because Tedford didn't uh, tip his hat. That was my expectation, but uh, you know we're going to find a lot of these quarterback battles are going to be decided at the end of this week, early next week. All right, uh, I got about four or five minutes. The big one in Charlotte, North Carolina, South Carolina. You know, I made some good money last year on my boy Spencer Rattler those last two games. You like him in this one outright? Uh, South Carolina. I don't know against May, and uh, I, I, you know, I, they lost. Marshawn Lloyd transferred too. I. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll root for him, but I, you know, it's hard for me to go against North Carolina with that uh, that quarterback there. Yeah, I'm going to lean North Carolina. I bet North Although Carolina. You said they lost a pretty good receiver. Yeah, the, we'll see. You know, he's a Kent State kid. He was one of the best wide receivers in, in the MAC last year. I mean, obviously Josh Downs is gone, so he needs a weapon on the outside. He was expected to be that guy, uh, but the governor is getting involved. We'll see. Maybe that ruling gets overturned for North Carolina. I lean the Tar Heels. All right. Uh, let me move on down. How about Toledo at Illinois? I think Bielema's team's being disrespected, not in this game, but in the Big Ten West, because I just think that uh, they're still physical. There's, there's I no li- doubt. Lose- I- Good. Yeah, I like Illinois a lot in this game, at the current number. So this is one that got bet up to 10.5. A, a lot of money's coming back in on Toledo. Nope, I, I like Illinois here. I like I don't think they get enough credit for being physical at the line yep. of scrimmage. You got Illinois trending towards what Wisconsin was. And exactly in these right. games, they just pound and, and, even and pound Arkansas, and pound. He didn't have the great players, yeah. but, but Bielema's guys in the trenches, both sides of the ball, are always tough. Yeah, and they just pound on these teams. Mm-hmm. And Toledo, if there's one question mark, they lost all those guys up front on the defensive line. And I think uh, Illinois wears them down in the second half. Give me the fighting Illini, and it would be one of my top bets, best bets right now. All right, so if you can find 21, you still like Colorado against TCU? No, I just took that half, that 21 and a half. Okay. Uh, 20, 20 is where it's going to close. Uh, let me move on down. How about, uh, you, my oh boy, not even, how about Boise State, Washington? What about, uh, Taylor Green and, and, uh, Boise State? Can they hang at Seattle? I mean, I, gosh, I got to talk to Penix Jr. Uh, at the Pac-12 Media Days. That team's loaded and DeBoer, yeah. DeBoer did a nice job. A 14 and a hook, 59 year total. I, I don't know how good a coach Avalos is. I agree. Uh, I like, obviously, Green at quarterback. I like the one-two punch at running back. I like that Genty kid at running back. I know mm-hmm. you like Halani, but that Genty kid in the bowl game looked really good. But Dirk Cutter changed their team last year. He took over the play calling. He's gone. He retired. 
can't lean on him this year. So I lean. I laid fourteen with Washington. I'd still lean that way. Real quick, Coastal has a new coach, but they got some good players. They're getting sixteen against UCLA. We saw the Bruins barely escape South Alabama last year. Yeah, haven't bet it yet. Waiting to get hopefully a seventeen or so. Uh, I want to see what happens with UCLA's quarterback. Dante Morris expected, you know, that true freshman five-star hasn't really taken the reins Garbers yet. Garbers was the Looks favorite, like it's, right? Yeah, Garbers is going to probably be the starter. Haven't right. bet it yet. All right, interesting there. Uh, I don't like Coastal Carolina's new coach. That Tim Beck guy I don't like too much. All right, so uh, Cook, will he start Brady Cook against Jake Garcia and Sam Horn? Those guys all battling there in Missouri. Will Brady Cook be the starter? Should be the starter, Brady Hook. Uh, yeah, the Cook, I should McC- say. McCord. Uh, starting over Devin Brown, right, for Ohio State? No, uh, 50-50, and it's trending more Devin Brown, believe it or not. Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard, Jackson Dart going to start? Yeah, I think it's going to be Jackson Dart, although I think they'll have a package for Spencer Sanders. No question in my mind, but I don't know because Gobranson's a, a decent quarterback. They have Childs as well, but DJ Uyunglele, uh, uh, yeah, he'll golfer, be a yep. he should be, right? And then uh, Wegman over Max Johnson and Texas A&M? Yeah, Wegman will be the starter. Am I, not a slam dunk, but yeah, that's my expectation. Colin Schley is also there for UCLA. He is, but he's running third. Okay, so Garbers and, and Moore still still could go either I, way. Though. If right now, my money would be on Garbers to start. All right, just wanted to get all that stuff there. And uh, Carson Beck, you said, uh, will be the starter for Georgia, right? Carson Beck will be the starter. Yep. All right. They play UT Martin, an FCS team. They'll be favored in the 50s. <laughs> All right, last one. We've got to get this in. West Virginia, Penn State. Penn State minus 20.5 at Happy Valley, 53.5. Mark Hoke's Nittany Lions. I like West Virginia in the game, but let's hope and get let's get a 21 in this one. Florida State, LSU, that's a Sunday game. What a game last year. LSU minus 2.5 in Tallahassee, 55.5. We know Daniels has put on some weight. What about Florida State? Norvell's team's pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to lean Florida State, but I'm hoping to get a three. I think if you go to GVR tonight, you can get a three, KT. All right, and then I think if you're ever going to beat Clemson, and I know a lot of people have them ticketed for the playoff, you got to get them game one. Riley Leonard, pretty good quarterback, plus 13 at home, 56-year total on that Monday night standalone. No, Clemson. Clemson. All right, great stuff. Brad Powers, you're the best, buddy. At Brad Powers 7, we'll have him on Thursday nights throughout the season. Looking forward to that. Thanks to Mark Hoke, producer. Thanks to Ricky Chino, who joined us hour number one. And thanks to you, the listeners. Remember, SportsX Radio, 6 to 8 p.m. starting August 28th. Tomorrow, Friday, football fiasco. I'll have some guests. Follow me on Twitter. Till then, you know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from PSBRLR Studios in Vegas. SportsX Radio, 101.5 FMK Dawn. Streaming live on that Odyssey app. Archives up in a little bit. God bless. Good night, everybody.